What up, what up, and welcome back to the show. It is Maggie and Perloff on this Thursday. NFL scouting combine really getting going today with guys finally doing workouts. And for some insider perspective, Perloff, it is our pleasure to welcome Rick Spielman to the show. Now he's a CBS Sports HQ analyst. Before, he was an NFL GM and was front and center at these scouting combines. Rick, it's Maggie and Perloff in New York. How are you? Yeah, thanks for having me on today. I appreciate getting a break from Pete for a change. <laughs> Prisco, <laughs> I know that guy. Oh, you can only take so much. Okay, so Rick, I you know Perloff is kind of telling me I'm a little bit in the minority here, and you can tell me if that's true. If I was an NFL GM, Bryce Young's measurables in terms of his height and his weight would scare me off. The fact that he is shorter and he is slight. That would be a no draft for me if my job was on the line. What about you? Uh, absolutely disagree with you 100%. No disrespect intended at all. All good. But I've got, I had an opportunity to see him play live twice this year, and he is going to be the exception to the rule, in my opinion. Uh, even though he's a shorter quarterback, he has an uncanny ability to move around in the pocket, to make off-schedule throws, Great accuracy at all levels of the field. Believable that wherever he measures, it's probably going to be under six feet, that he can see, and he doesn't get a lot of balls batted at the line of scrimmage. So I think if he was 6'2", 210, you would say that maybe he's a generational-type quarterback. I don't want to discredit him because he's small. I do know the teams are going to be asking themselves, because of the size, not because of the way he plays, uh, is he going to be durable enough to hold up for a full regular season and hopefully postseason if he's our quarterback? Rick, have you ever looked at when you were drafting quarterbacks or even looking at quarterbacks, is there a, a huge connection between size and durability? Because we know I can think of a lot of tall quarterbacks who've gotten hurt as well. Is, it, is the weight important, or do we maybe overrate that impact on durability at quarterback? I think you have to look at their history. And I don't think Bryce Young, I think he missed a, tie, a game or two this year uh, because of a shoulder injury, but he rarely misses any games. And I think that's because he's pretty unique as an athlete, may not be the fastest as a Kyler Murray or maybe a Justin Fields, but he does have the ability to avoid taking the hits. And he's so quick with his reads that he gets the ball out of his hands. And you know, I've seen him, and I've seen him take some hits. And a smaller quarterback, you think, no way this kid's going to get back up. But he seems to get back up and bounce back and go on to the next play. So I think when you're trying to measure durability, especially here, you're going to take the physical examination that they all take. you got to look at their injury history, how many games they have missed. And I think he's a little bit, like I said earlier, an exception to the rule. Rick Spielman is our guest, a former general manager, now working with CBS Sports HQ as an analyst. Is there anyone, any other quarterback that you like as much as Bryce Young in this draft, Rick? Uh, I think it would be interesting to see as if C.J. Stroud, if Will Levis, if Anthony Richardson can close the gap. I think uh, three of the four, I don't think Bryce Young is going to throw from what's been reported but I think three of those four guys are going to start jockeying for position on teams' draft boards. I think out of those three, C.J. Stroud may be the closest uh, to surpassing Bryce Young. I think the reason why I say that is that what you've seen, I saw a little bit of it in a Michigan game when I watched the tape. You started to see him do some off-schedule stuff from the pocket. 
He's always been very patient in the pocket, almost play by the numbers, where in the NFL today, you have to be an accurate thrower, which he is. You have to have a strong arm, which he does have. But you have to make off-scheduled throws when things break down and use your athleticism. So that was a big question going into this draft. But then everybody watched them play against Georgia, against an NFL-caliber defense, and he made plays with his legs. He made those off-schedule throws. Everything that you were hoping to see during the season, all of a sudden he showed that uh, in the game, in the bowl game against uh, Georgia. So I think he's going to close the gap. It'll be interesting to see how this all unfolds over the next couple months before the draft. We're talking to CBS Sports HQ's Rick Spielman. Rick, I love you on the CBS Pick 6 pod. With uh, Rick is on there with civilians, I'll call them, non-NFL personality. Yeah. <laughs> Constantly uh, says, I appreciate your hard work, Rick, which is, I, I, I know that's your, your go-to line when you're talking to non-football people. But uh, you're really good on that. Let me ask you, in all your experience at the Combine, has there ever been anything like what's happened with Jalen Carter, the Georgia defensive tackle, left the Combine yesterday to report to an Athens, Georgia police station with two misdemeanor charges and his connection to a fatal car crash, then comes back today. You ever seen anything like this, Rick? No, that was the first time, and I've been, I think this is my 32nd combine. So I've put a lot of years here in Indianapolis. Uh, but that was something that I haven't seen before. But from general manager's perspective, from a front office, these teams, Although, you, you, let's not forget how unfortunate and, uh, you know, sad it was for two young lives to be lost in that tragic accident. Uh, and I think that's the most important thing to remember. But if you want to look at a positive, just from a football perspective, from a front office side, you're glad that it happened here because now you have a couple of uh, months to get prepared until the draft comes up. If that happened on draft day, teams would have been definitely scrambling. But now they can assess the situation, assess the risk of taking a quarterback. Hopefully everything gets resolved from a legal standpoint before the draft. If not, then that's going to open up some questions on, okay, his trial isn't after the draft. There's going to be other charges pressed after the draft. And if you draft him and he ends up having to do jail time or something like that, which I'm just speculating right now, uh, then how is that going to look on your franchise taking a player? Although he may be the most talented uh, defender, defensive player in this draft. Rick, with the time you would have with Jalen Carter, in theory, he's still there doing interviews today. What are the types of questions that you would ask him if you were sitting in the room, if you were uh, if you were a GM? Well, you, you definitely, the first thing you're going to address is here, uh, his side of the story, what actually happened, but uh, where I would be disappointed in as a GM, if I was doing interviews here Monday and Tuesday before the news break broke, and I didn't say anything to those teams, and I went about my, the uh, interviews just like I normally did any other regular interview, then all of a sudden that news breaks, and I would be like, why didn't he mention this before, or even a possibility of this happening? And I always thought that if you are a prospect, an NFL prospect, and you were going through the job interview, I had a lot of respect for guys that knew that they did something wrong and admitted it and told us what his side of the story was, and I appreciated the upfront and honesty. Here it looked like he was playing a little bit hide the ball, but I haven't been in those interviews, but from an outsider's perspective. We're talking to Rick Spielman, former Vikings GM. 
you mentioned uh, the timing. Uh, now, you were a GM in Minnesota when Laramie Tunsil, that video came out five minutes before the draft, him wearing a gas mask. I think most NFL fans know this story. Uh, very different, very different stories, obviously. Not, nothing like what happened with Jalen Carter. But do you remember your reaction in the room when that was going on? I think you drafted in the 20s then, so you weren't necessarily looking at him. But how do teams deal with that kind of last-minute curveball on draft night? Well, I, <laughs> I think there was a lot of teams scrambling because he was the top offensive tackle coming out in the draft that year. And it's amazing how some of this stuff comes out and the timing it comes out, just like the Jalen Carter while he's down here when the combines get ready to get started. That did not come out until actually on draft day. Uh, we started to have meetings about it. We started to talk about what if he slides down to where we're picking uh, because he was very high on our draft board from a talent perspective. And then, uh, you know, I believe, uh, you know, when Miami took him, uh, then that kind of like you kind of sighed a relief because you didn't have to make that decision. But there were a lot of uh, conversations going on, not only amongst ourselves, our coaches, but our ownership as well. And what direction would we go if he fell to us at our pick? So interesting now because marijuana is legal in so many states. That story feels quaint, you know, compared to when it happened, which was pretty shocking. Uh, Rick Spielman is our guest. Rick, last one for me, and it's one you've probably gotten asked before, but it's Lamar Jackson. I mean, if you are Eric DaCosta, what do you do? Do you give Lamar Jackson the fully guaranteed contract he's reportedly looking for, or do you try to continue to play hardball? Well, it's, it's a unique uh, situation because when you're dealing in contract negotiations, usually you're dealing directly with the representative or his agent. And you can say things to the agent, explain in the team perspective and the team side of the negotiation. You know, in this situation, if I was talking to the agent of Lamar Jackson, hey, you've been hurt the last two years. You weren't able to finish the last two years. We're willing to pay you what it takes to, to be paid as a top quarterback in this NFL, but we're not going to go to a Deshaun Watson deal where it's fully guaranteed because, as you see last year, Russell Wilson and all those other guys did not get fully guaranteed contracts. Now, what will be interesting is you definitely have to franchise them because if he's not your quarterback, who's going to be your quarterback? If you have one, you better love the one you're with. But when Burrow comes up, when Herbert comes up, when all these other contracts start coming in, it'll be interesting to see if they're fully guaranteed or if those guys sign a contract that's not fully guaranteed, then I think Baltimore Ravens and Eric DeCostas has a uh, – has the, the advantage and leverage to do that and, and stick to their business principles and give him a fair deal that he deserves but not fully guarantee in that contract. Rick, would you not be concerned that Lamar Jackson would just not sign the tag and not show up? Potentially do that, and that could, that could be a situation. And I'm sure when you're in a front office, you're going through all those scenarios. So if we do franchise him, if we can't get a long-term deal done, if he does hold out, then what's our option B? So you better make sure that you have option B in place in case that scenario plays out. Rick, have you ever eaten 16 ounces of peanut butter in one hour? Boy, no, I don't. <laughs> I love peanut butter, but I don't think I've eaten 16 ounces of it yeah, in one hour. It's going to be hard. Perloff has <laughs> talking very, very tough about doing the peanut butter challenge 
uh, which he invented and creative. Yeah, I, and I, I promised I'd eat a whole jar of peanut butter, which is something I think Bryce Young should do right before his weigh-in. <laughs> but you are a peanut butter fan. Do you ever do just spoon straight to peanut butter, Rick? Oh, yeah. No, I put peanut butter on everything. I put peanut butter on my English muffins in the morning. I put peanut butter on my bologna sandwiches in the afternoon. I love peanut butter, but I do have something to wash it down. So that is a critical piece that's missing in this challenge. Is he allowed to have milk on the side to wash down the peanut butter chunk? Every, everything is on the table. We're negotiating everything right now, which I think you would appreciate as a former GM. All negotiations are happening. But wait a minute. <laughs> bologna sandwich with peanut butter? Oh, Unbelievable sandwich. All right. A lot of protein on that sandwich. And if you put uh, peanut butter, honey, and banana sandwich on toast, that is an outstanding sandwich as well for those peanut butter lovers out there. Our producer does peanut butter raw onions. That's a bridge too far for me. Yeah. I don't know if I would challenge him and then your peanut butter challenge. (laughs) Or be seen (laughs) in public, you know, for at least a good couple hours. Uh, Rick, can't tell you how much we appreciate your perspective and your expertise. Enjoy the rest of the scouting combine. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate that.